All right, welcome everyone back to the Versecast. This is episode nine, and we are joined by special guest and my former classmate at Syracuse, Peter Apple, who is the co-host of the Just Baseball Fans podcast, and we'll link to that below. But Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. The Just Baseball show is we're doing well so far. We basically just we started as Project the Plate, but it actually start. It's a funny story because. Everyone thought it was project the plate, and that doesn't even make grammatical sense. So, (laughs) but it made sense, right? Because our podcast is a lot about projecting players. We talk about minor leagues, college baseball, and it's a lot of analysis on what's going on currently in the game. So, when people thought it was project the plate, we did some focus groups and we were like, okay, we just have to change that immediately. So, we changed it over to the just baseball show because we are literally just baseball. Yeah. And, and that's that, that one, one category and, and you guys on TikTok have done great. I've seen some, some of your clips uh, there. So we're excited to talk about baseball because Jack and I, as I mentioned off air, like we're not big baseball guys. And I got to say, only reason I feel confident enough to talk about baseball now is because I got MLB the show when it came out this year. I've been an Xbox guy. I've never been able to play it. And, uh, you know, I've probably played 80 games online. Love it getting to learn the players but i got a lot of questions (laughs) so um, far away it's the best video game ever i i feel like instead i gotta watch more baseball because i've been playing that but then again i'm just not that good of a video game player you know you have to be some sort of athlete at least with your fingers to be able to be good at video games i've just never had that in my body unfortunately but i try my best all my friends have dominated me in MLB when I've played, <laughs> but, but 2K and Madden's a different story. So. <laughs> I, I actually used to be a huge MLB guy back in 08 when the Phillies won the World Series because that's my team, and they went on a downward slope from there. But MLB The Show really does allow you to actually like learn the players, one, and two, just be like – it just makes you want to watch baseball because you're playing it all the time. And now that the show is back on Xbox, I'm sure the MLB's like viewer rate is growing. But the game 100%. is evolving like by the year, and I, as little as I watch, I am aware of that. And I mean, I want to start off by talking about the strikeout rate, which is kind of just been changing year by year, and it's now going to like crazy high rates. What from your analysis? Because you're saying that on this podcast, you guys analyze the games. Like, what can you tell us about like where the strikeout rate is going and how it's changing the game? So in the 1970s and the 1980s, the strikeout rate in baseball was around 12.5%. If you go back into the 70s and 80s, it was a lot more balls in play. The the timing of the game was quicker. There was less time in between pitches, less dead time. And now we are going into a three true outcome type sport. With And when I say three true outcome, I mean strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And like I said, 12.5% walk rate in the 70s and 80s. Now it is closer to 25%. That is, and Theo Epstein had a great piece on this on the Bill Simmons podcast. It has changed the way the game is played fundamentally. Fundamentally. Do you guys know, he said in the same podcast clip, Nolan Ryan and Sandy Koufax for their career were around a 25% strikeout rate. There's a fantastic article on the athletic as well about the strikeout rate that is a fundamental difference in the way the game is played um he also had another point on there where the game is not supposed to be between two people it's supposed to be between nine people 
And I think that reigns true. And I know I'm basically just regurgitating all of that information, but it's exactly correct. Well, it's and great we, to hear from Theo Epstein, you know, the guy who's, who's recently done it himself. It's, you know, everyone's going to listen to that advice. And just going off that, the MLB has tried a few new things. I know the the the, the double, I forget the name, the, the runner on second in overtime, extra inning rule. You exactly. know, they're getting a little aggressive. And I feel like maybe you can equate that to some of the other leagues. The NFL's made some changes with kickoff rules, the NBA with hand checking. Do you feel like you can maybe translate what the NBA or what the MLB is trying to do to create offense or, or to create more of that, you know, action uh, during the during the course of the game? Yeah, and I, I think it's actually a great thing what they're doing, especially with the sevening double headers. I mean, guys play enough games. You know, guys play enough innings. Shortening it from 18 to 14 is only going to help speed up the game and it's going to make it a little bit more exciting because we're not dealing with, you know, nine innings, maybe in the sixth inning, you're warming up your closer. It's a much more compact game and it's much more fun in my opinion. And then you go to the extra innings rule with a runner on second and less than, you know, was no outs. Normally, you know, some old time fans or, or general fans in general would like to see you earn that extra run, right? I'm in the boat where now extra innings feels like it feels like a two minute overtime in a basketball or a football game where it's like, you got to score now and games, you know, when they go to extra innings now, let's say it's four, four in the bottom of the ninth, these games can end up being 11 to seven. And like a couple games that we've seen so far this season, that's just creating more offense. It's creating more just fun in the sport. So I think those are two great rules. And another rule that they're doing in the minor leagues and in the Atlantic league is the double hook rule which basically means that every single team has a DH, right? It would be a universal DH. But once you pull your starting pitcher, you lose that DH. So it's almost combining the use of the DH with the situational hitting that might come from a pitcher, maybe bunting the guy over. So I think there's a lot of very interesting rules. My one quarrel with all the rules, do not move the mound back. Do That's not move the mouth. I've seen them discuss that. And even so slightly, I think they were talking about six or 12 inches. Um, but yeah, that seems like a, Don't. A, a fundamental change. It's like lowering the rim or raising the rim. I, I think it is, it's like extending the bases a little bit. These are dimensions that we have used in baseball for a very long time. And I know that they have lowered the mound in the past. And I know things have been changed. But I just feel that it is such a, such a fundamental difference. And not only, you're going to have to push all that down to the way lower levels. Let's say high school arms are now throwing a foot longer. It may not seem like much, but I do think there will be a lot of injuries in the short term. And baseball players are good at adjusting. It's a fact. They are good at adjusting. I just think that there are more ways to improve the game than changing dimensions. Ban the shift. Just ban the shift. Yeah. Guys just ground out every single day. Just ban the shift. That's a very easy way to do it. And, and analytics is getting so good now that they're putting po- position players in exact positions based on the numbers to catch the ball. I saw a Manny Machado highlight the other day. He just hits a screaming line drive up the middle, immediately caught by the second baseman. That's a base hit. Yeah, that's a base hit, and we're just losing yeah. out on those ty- types now, of hits. I, well, I do think the NBA's had a similar not problem, but I mean, players just get better, you know, as we go. And and the, the talent, I mean, with pitchers, we've seen 
what Otani is doing. You know, that made me turn heads before I even, you know, cared about baseball. But we're talking about these rules and there's been a lot of discussion about the rules, but there's also been a discussion about something that no other sport really has that you can tell us a little bit about the unwritten rules. There's been a lot about that in the last few weeks. And the best example in my mind is I'll get the teams wrong. I think it was twins versus white Sox, And it was like 15 to four position player pitching and uh, Moncado or Mercedes. One of those two players just bombs it deep, you know, 48 mile per hour pitch. And he got shat on by his own coach. I mean, as a sport fan, I'm always going to support bombing it deep, but I don't know. I don't know the baseball community sort of uh, status quo on that. Can you break down these unwritten rules that seem to be getting everyone, you know, in a pickle? No, oh, it's so dumb. What it is, is we'll set the stage. So La Tortuga, um, he's a catcher, DH, basically, you know, outfielder, big dude who's pitching as a position player in the game, it's 15 to four, like you said, White Sox or White Sox twins. Yerman Mercedes, who's a rookie, by the way, a 28 year old rookie. We need context here. This dude has battled his way back into the major leagues. 28 year old rookies, when you're in the minor leagues for that long, do you think you're not going to take advantage of every single opportunity that you can get? So that's exactly what he did. A position player is throwing him 47 mile an hour pitches down the middle. And yes, Jeff Passan came out with a great tweet. That is the first time anyone has ever done that on 3-0 swings in this type of era. But I think it is the dumbest thing in the world. As a major leaguer, you need to take advantage of every single opportunity you can get. It's, it, it's your money. I mean, what is he just supposed to take or get out? I mean, it was a strike. It'd be different if it was maybe a ball or... No, it wouldn't even be different. Unwritten rules, there are so many. You're not stealing when you're up 10. Um, there, there's a bunch of other ones. They're all dumb. And there's not no stealing even up need. 10 seems like the most reasonable one I've heard. <laughs> like that one and, almost makes sense. And there's another unwritten rules about, you know, if a guy hits a home run and, and pimps his home run that he's got to get drilled the next at bat. I mean, I was just at the University of Hawaii versus Cal Poly game and um, the catcher hits a enormous home run and then flips his bat awesome just unbelievable so much fun to watch and then i'm talking to him after the game and he was like oh i was so afraid i was gonna get drilled that shouldn't happen in our game you should not be penalized by injury for having fun playing your sport it's a different thing if you bat flip and maybe you point at the pitcher and you're like you suck there's a difference between looking at your own dugout being fired up that you just hit a home run. Unwritten rules need to slowly but surely, and I say slowly because they won't go easy, slowly but surely get the hell out of our game. Well, Peter, while we have you, I've been told that the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe they lost this World Series last year. They're doing something interesting. And I don't understand it. Can you maybe put it in NBA terms or, or, or just break down what the Rays are doing right now um, that's got the league sort of taking notice? Isn't it something to do with, you know, just a record amount of different pitchers? Or is there more to it? So the Rays are so interesting, right? Because they are 26th in payroll in all of MLB. They have a payroll of $61 million compared to the New York Yankees who are at $201 million. That is enormous. That's about a third of their payroll. Yeah. What the Rays do is they have two really good starting pitchers. They have Tyler Glasnow and they have Ryan Yarborough. Besides that, they do a lot of openers. 
it's you can't really relate it to NBA terms because <laughs> it would it would be the equivalent of putting LeBron in for the first two minutes of the game only. It's just <laughs> there really isn't that kind of comparison. Yeah. What they do is they have an array of really good relief pitchers that they'll throw out there for an inning or two and then just keep following it up. They're a big matchup team, and that's why they've been so successful. The Rays, on the other hand, when I was saying ban the shift, they have the most successful shift in all of baseball. They're just backed by the numbers. And with the Rays, it's it's about the team, of course, but it's the front office that is far and away better than any any team I really see in baseball at this point. Maybe the Dodgers, you know, maybe the Padres, yeah. maybe the White Sox with Rick Hahn and what and what they've been able to do. But they just know how to get underrated guys and give them and make them achieve the best potential that they can. They're really good at getting, you know, they're really good at just improving each player individually. And it's backed by the numbers. They'll tell you where you're missing. They'll tell you when to swing. They know all of this kind of information. And we, we can see this. Heim Bloom, who is now the GM of the Red Sox, was taken from the Rays. Um, the GM of the Dodgers was taken from the Rays. These big market teams understand that the Rays are just a little bit smarter than the rest of us. And as we see openers, a lot of teams are now using a couple openers. But did, it makes the game slower, and I don't love it, but I understand the matchups because it works. When did Tampa get started with this new philosophy? Was it a regime change of the front office that happened a couple of years ago? Is it, you know, the last two years or so? It's been the past couple of years. Um, I'm, uh, to be honest, I don't exactly know when it started, but I know that it's been in our game for a while, and I know that they were some of the pioneers of it because they play the matchups. I mean, even when I'm doing my gambling picks, lefty-righty matchups are such an important part of the game, and they play the matchups better than anybody. I mean, I'm guessing the closest NBA comparison, Dan, for to answer your question, would be the Knicks starting Alfred Payton at point guard, <laughs> even having D. Rose and Quickly be much better point guards, but they're bringing him in off the bench, and it's kind of like what the Rays have in mind. And, I mean, it, it works, and obviously it's just completely different from an MLB standpoint, but the like the, the closers the relief pitchers that come in really make or break a team season especially as you get into the playoffs and as you kind of get farther down because i mean at the end of the day like these are the guys that are closing it in the starters can throw complete gems but if you don't have a good bullpen like you're not winning you're not going to go anywhere with your team it's 100 percent correct and i think that's a good comparison with the knicks too i hope the knicks win they're playing the hawks tonight i really <laughs> hope they win yeah, this will air after that game, so we'll probably be wrong. But, hey, who knows? It's game seven maybe by the time this comes out. <laughs> I hope. Uh, I want to ask, Peter, about your gambling picks real quick yeah, because yeah. I'm looking at these stats right now in front of me that this season, if you were betting $100 on the underdog in each MLB game, you'd be up $2,555. So the underdog's absolutely killing it. The last 30 days, however, down 1.5K if you were betting on all underdogs. But so how has that been? How have you looked at it this season, knowing that underdogs are almost the better team to be betting on profit-wise? How has that been, I guess, shifted maybe from years past or affecting the way that you're looking at these games? It's a good question because 
I really don't look at that kind of information that much. I really don't look at information. Like, let's say, oh, this game has been 11 and two or the under is 11 and two in the last 13 games. I have always felt, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this and I'm going to do this every single day on TikTok. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I am such a, what are you doing for me today? How is the matchup today? Because I always feel that those stats are accumulation stats that don't have any true outcome on the exact game that I'm gambling on. Yes, in April, in May, we're going to see a lot of weird baseball. We're going to see the Orioles come back against the Yankees. We're going to see the Twins come back against the Red Sox. A lot of weird baseball happens in April and May as people are getting their feet wet, starting to get it started. And I think we saw that, like you said, in April, underdogs were killing it. In May, not so much. What I do is I look a lot at lefty-righty matchups. I look a lot at game flow. What I think the series is going to develop as. For example, today we have Twins-Orioles. Twins won game one, Orioles won game two. Who's the better team? The Twins are the better team. It's minus 135 today. The Orioles are actually, and then I look at a little bit of lefty-righty matchups. For example, today, again, in the, in the Blue Jays, game it's Pablo Lopez going up against Alec Manoa we're going under there even though it just went under yesterday because and I say this because the stats change just day to day and you have to look at the individual game and you have to look at the matchups how is that hitter faced off against that pitcher those kind of little tidbits in there are how I'm doing it and we're winning at a 57 percent rate and it's just so much fun to do. Well, it's I gotta, so I gotta give you some props because I have been following along since the season started. You're at, I believe, one hundred six and seventy-five, right? That's what the the bio says. Is we just, talent. we just hit. Um, right now we're one hundred eight and eighty. We have had a very bad past two days. We yeah, went zero yeah. three yesterday. We went one two. You were hot, I think, oh. for like two weeks or something, right? We we've been really good. We've been really good, but. The past two days, not so much, but which I like today, we hit our over under over in the Mets Diamondbacks game. We hit it in the first inning and just like games like that. Maybe it seems like, Hey, the Mets offense is injured. You know, Madison Bumgarner's on the mound. Maybe that game goes under, but then you look deeper and you kind of realize that David Peterson isn't good away from home. Madison Bumgarner has been struggling a little bit. Both teams are better against lefties than they are against righties this game's going way over eight and it went over in the first inning. So I, I, as I explained the pick, I hope you can understand my thinking that it's not super complicated, but you do have to look at the individual game more than accumulation stats. I'm curious specifically about the Yankees because they are on paper, one of the best teams in the MLB, in my opinion, the best team in the MLB from what I know. And, you know, they're sitting at a very mediocre record, very, under below average what they were expected of at least but they're still one of the favorites to win the world series so what are your thoughts on them just as a team overall and when you're looking at them daily for betting on them what do you think i have no idea how to bet on the yankees right now i'll be completely honest they are the most inconsistent streaky team i've ever seen in april they look like a triple a team in may they started off 17 and 5 since then um, I, this is a stat from a couple of days ago, but nine out of their last 12 games, they scored two or less runs. 
in each game. The first time this happened since 1971. Like this team, as constructed with there being so right-handed dominant with all the injuries, I would almost have to say I disagree with you on the fact that they have the best team even on paper. The White Sox have a better team on paper. The Padres have a better team on paper. And no one's even talking about the absolute juggernaut in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You're just naming the teams I run on the show online with. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's, it's a fact. And the problem with the Yankees is that they need to add more dynamic athletes. I'm looking at a guy like Cattell Marte for the Diamondbacks, maybe Eduardo Escobar on the Diamondbacks, maybe Jesse Winker on the Reds for them to add. And they need a starting pitcher with Corey Kluber going down. I mean, they still got Domingo Herman. Garrett Cole is still the second best pitcher in baseball. Jordan Montgomery has been okay. Jameson Tyon's been okay. The bullpen's been solid. But besides that, I don't believe in this team. But then again, I am such an emotional Yankee fan. So if they start going on a run, I might be back in. That's there that's my go. problem. I, my bias comes through with the Yankees. Other teams, I'm pretty good. My bias shines through. I just get so emotional. So yeah, up, I get I, the emotional Yankee part gave that one away because exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so from a team construction standpoint, Peter, one thing I'm curious about is you know you mentioned the Rays. They've been very successful. They've got their own way of playing. There've been other front offices doing their own thing. You know, when you look to build a team, how long can you really rely in baseball on your top players being top of the class? Because what I see as a sort of half fan it's that the guys that are in the top of the tier aside from the mike trouts uh you know the really best they they often have two to four year time spans being elite like i remember zach granke used to be you know like the the front the the face of mlb and now it feels like he's just another good starting pitcher it gets confusing to me and you know i don't i'm curious your your thoughts on that you know how how do you value players i guess pitchers are different but but then Mike Trout just stays the best player for yeah. you. I know. It's and, and that question uh, question is a good one, but it's so tough to tell because it's it's like some players, to his point about Mike Trout, could last 10, 15 years. Some players have a much shorter shelf life. Mm-hmm. So it's always so important to develop your minor league system so you always have guys coming up the pipeline when some of these guys may get hurt. And then you don't have to rely on a singular player to be because we all know that like I said before baseball is a nine-man sport you need an entire team of solid guys that's why you see the Rays being so excellent the White Sox they're not led by one particular player and then in the Rays case they have Wander Franco who's the best prospect in baseball coming up the pipeline to a first place team it's you're basically getting a budding all-star for free that's how you develop a team you have to develop the bullpen the starting pitching the on-field talent in the box and in your minor league system too. It's, it's a tough answer, but it's really a full organizational effort. And teams like the Rays, teams like the White Sox, Dodgers and Padres are at the forefront of that. It's just so many moving pieces for so many moving pieces, more than basketball, just because there's only five guys. Well, more than everyone because of their minor league system, because that the Mm -hmm. intricacies there, I mean, the the way that America is almost it's like the most viewed sport in America just because of how many minor league games there are. But I know we got to run soon. I got one last question for you. And it's MLB legend Tim Tebow has made his return to the NFL. And I know your baseball. But tell me, is Tim Tebow going to make this team? And is he going to catch 
over 50 receiving yards because the over under is at 12 and a half right now. I think that's ridiculous. I think he's 12 going and a half for the season for the season. And they moved I, I'm in the boat two and a half. If I were to make a bet on that, I would say he makes one catch for six yards this season. And it's going to be fun to have him in that one game. Tim Tebow is Tim Tebow. I'll leave it at that. I drafted Tebow in my dynasty. (laughs) I only know the Heisman Tim Tebow. That's the only one I know. Yeah. Jacksonville legend. Jacksonville legend. Wait, and real quick before we wrap up, I have a question for Peter, a personal question. So obviously just from talking to you for the last half hour, we can tell you have a lot of baseball knowledge. Going forward, are you planning to stick with, you know, making bets for, for baseball? Are you planning to expand on that? Or are you looking to one day work in the MLB or in baseball in some sort? So it's funny, we are launching this website, justbaseball.com, which will be coming out on June 22nd. And I'm the co-founder with Arm Layton, another Syracuse guy. We have a staff of around 14 writers at the time. We have a backing from this company called Den of Geek Media. I really want to create this for my own and run our gambling vertical. And the great part about this website is it's becoming a one-stop shop for all baseball fans. You don't have to pay to come onto our site like you might on other sites where you got to pay for articles. And stupid. Why don't we provide a site where you get to see minor leagues, major leagues, college baseball, fantasy baseball, gambling, and trading cards, the only site where that's going to happen. So it would be great to possibly run a major league team someday. But right now, I'm so excited to just go full-fledged into this. I mean, it's been, an, it's been a year plus in the making. So I'm really not thinking about potential jobs. And, and to, about your gambling point, I really am not good at betting on the NBA. I'm good at betting on NFL. I've had a lot of success there. And maybe when the baseball season is over, maybe we might trickle into there. But overall, I just love baseball so much. And it's so fun to do my research every day. And it's a lot to focus on it all the time and and launch this website. So right now, I'm focusing 99% of my efforts. 1% I'm still keeping my eye on the Knicks and, and, and football as well. But once we get into football season, I guess we'll have to see. Well, we're looking forward to that site. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that. And, uh, you know, we were, I think I mentioned to you, but you ever want to put some of your daily picks out on the network for your friends to, you know, verse you on, that's always an option for us too. So uh, it's great having you on and, and we look forward to keeping track of your, your picks and, and thank you for, your, for enlightening us on some of these baseball topics we had no idea about. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome. Appreciate it, Dan. Appreciate it, Jack. It's a good time. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. so much. That wraps us up. Thanks everyone for joining and uh, have a great week, everybody. Peace.